Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, Today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. All right, let's get right into our Bible study here tonight. Take your Bibles, open them up, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, a familiar passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 6. Now you may be here tonight and you may be looking up here on the wall and you look at this and it talks about providing protection for your sons and daughters and you say, hey, I'm past that, I'm not raising children anymore, but most of you do have grandchildren And what we learn here can apply really to anyone in their Christian life. We're going to talk a lot about prayer tonight. Anyone can pray. Amen? We're going to learn some principles on prayer tonight. Uh, We're going to talk about standing alone and how important it is to stand alone. And so just because you may not be in those child-rearing years doesn't mean there's not something here for you. Tonight, Just like last week, we talked about strongholds, but that applies to all of us, doesn't it? So let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing upon the lesson here this evening. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, I pray you'd fill this preacher with your spirit to help that the words that I say would be the words that you would want communicated to your people tonight. And Father, you know our families in America are in a mess. We now have dysfunctional families as a norm We have fathers who have abandoned their wives and their children. Father, these are dark days in which we live. And I pray that you would help us understand the principles in your word as it pertains to the protection that we need to provide as parents to our sons and daughters who now live in a very wicked and adulterous generation. And so, Lord, bless your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? This is what? This is right. It's the right thing to do. Obey your mom and dad. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. Both that nurturing and admonition that the Bible speaks about deals with this very issue, providing the protection that our sons and our daughters need. We have never lived in an age in which our children need more protection from the world, the flesh and the devil than they do today. You may remember here a few weeks ago, we talked about the importance of the father's role within the family. You also may remember that we looked at some statistics as to the impact that a father has upon his children. And we saw that in homes, even where the father is present, the father is only spending anywhere from five to seven minutes a day in quality conversation with his children. And so with the lack of interaction that we have 
today between the Father and between the children, it should be no surprise to us at all of what's going on all around us and maybe even within our own families. I came across an interesting article. I would encourage all of you to go online and to read this article by Fox News. The title of the article is this, Missing Fathers and America's Broken Boys. Missing fathers, fathers who have gone AWOL. They're not there for their family. They've fathered a child, but they're not there to raise that child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord like the Bible commands us as fathers to do. And then it says this, a vast majority of mass shooters come from broken homes. You may remember I mentioned this just in passing on Sunday, that ever since Columbine, and there's been some 20 school shootings already this year. Now, a lot of them you don't hear about. But there have been some 20 of them already this year. Of all the school shootings that have taken place since Columbine, only four of those shooters had the father present within the home. That shows you how important it is to have our families intact, to have a traditional family, a biblical family. I thought this was interesting. And this is just this is just a small little clip of the article. It says the root of fatherlessness rests in two things: our culture's dismissal of men as valuable human beings who have something unique to offer. Fathers are basically made out to be buffoons today. They're made fun of, they are mocked, they are ridiculed. Almost everything that you see in the media, you'll see the mother is the one that's leading the family and the father is the one who's following behind the mother. And uh, we have, listen, we have made a mockery of fatherhood and manhood in our culture. Are you with me? And this has had a, a very damaging effect upon our homes and upon our society. And it's dismissal of marriage. Isn't this interesting? This is, this is the secular news uh, here. But like I said Sunday, they're starting to get it. They're starting to get it. They're starting to realize where the problem really lies here. And it's dismissal of marriage as an institution that's uh, critical to the health and well-being of children. So if you get a chance, go on and read the rest of this. Obviously, it's not written from a Christian perspective, but they're beginning to hit the nail on the head here. So what we want to do is do a little bit of review. We're actually uh, in a series within a series as we're talking about uh, providing protection for our sons and daughters. But here are some of the things that we've looked at so far uh, as we've been considering the protection that our sons and our daughters need. We need to lead them to personal salvation. We need to do our best to make sure our children get saved. Give me an amen. Don't leave that up to the church to do. Do your best to lead your children to the Lord. Dedicate your children to the Lord. We see that throughout Scripture. Make sure that your children know how to overcome sin and temptation, that they know how to live a victorious Christian life. Challenge them to be totally dedicated to the Lord. Uh, train each child to recognize and to resist the devil, that they really know how to do that. Seek to instill in your children a fear of the Lord, because 
With the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Protect your children from social media. We spent a whole evening talking about the dangers of social media. Protect your children from that. And then last week we talked about strongholds and how to overcome strongholds. What are the three strongholds? Bitterness. Moral impurity. And temporal values. Okay? Bitterness, moral impurity, and temporal values. The three main strongholds that a person can establish in their life. Now, we're going to get in some new material tonight. And here we find Job. And I want to talk tonight about the importance of praying a hedge of protection around your sons. And I forgot to stick daughters up there. Praying a hedge of protection around your sons and around your daughters. Now listen to what Job said. Job sanctified them. He set his children apart as unto the Lord and rose up early in the what? Morning. So early in the morning, he's praying for his kids. Now how many kids did Job have? He had 10 children. How many sons? Seven sons. Uh, how many daughters? Oh, that makes sense. If he had seven sons, he had three daughters. It's exactly what we have. Seven sons and three daughters. Job sanctified them, rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. So he is very, very concerned about his ten children, and he's offering a sacrifice for each one of them, and he's praying as he's giving that sacrifice. How often did he do this? Come on, church, how often did he do it? Every morning. He's sanctifying his children. Why was he doing this? This is what he said. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. It doesn't sound like he's too worried about his three girls. Hello? He doesn't even mention his three girls here. They were probably like my three girls, really good girls. I haven't been near as concerned about my three girls if I had my seven sons, believe me. So he says, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did what? Continually. He is, con he is continually. How often? Every what? This is a big deal. Job's the wealthiest man in the East. He had an empire to watch over. He had numerous slaves. All kinds of wealth. But he would get up early in the morning... First thing he would do would be pray for his kids. Very significant. What kind of man was Job? He was a righteous man and a man who feared God. Brought his children before the Lord. When Satan came to attack Job, notice the words of Satan to God. Hast not thou made a what? Who is praying the hedge? Job's praying the hedge, and God is building the hedge of protection around his sons and around his daughters. Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance, and, increased in, and he has increased in the land. What did Satan ask permission to do? To have the hedge what? Removed. All right? So he prayed faithfully every morning this hedge around his children. Now there's three parts 
in praying this hedge. Mom, you can do this. Dads, you can do this. Grandmas and grandpas, you can do this. You think we can do this for each other? God forbid that we should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for one another. So three parts. First of all, ask God to bind and rebuke the power of Satan in the life of each one of your family members. Remember, he offered a sacrifice for what? Come on now. Are you with me? He offered a sacrifice for what? Every one of his children. So ask God to bind and rebuke the power of Satan in the life of each one of your family members. Notice this verse. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Who is the strong man that's trying to ruin our families? Satan is. And he needs to be bound. If he is bound, then we can spoil his house instead of him spoiling our house. Give me an amen there. Let's take it to him. And let's be faithful to bind and rebuke the power of Satan. Number two, when we pray, we're to pray in whose name? Jesus' name. Do you believe there's power in Jesus' name? He has a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So we pray in Jesus' name, and we pray through his blood. Revelation chapter 12 says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony concerning that blood and what that blood meant to them personally. Because they loved not their lives nigh unto death. John 14, 13 says this, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my what? Name. That will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So let's start praying in Jesus' name and through his blood as we pray this hedge of protection around our families. Number three is claim the scripture that is related to the kind of protection that your child needs. Now, is each child different? Does each child struggle with different things? You know, it's just amazing we have raised 10 of our children and how different all 10 of them are. Even though they have the same daddy, they have the same mama, they've lived under the same rules, they've sat under the same teaching. It is amazing how different each one of our children are. Who made them that way? God did. Each one of them have strengths. Each one of them also have what? Also have weaknesses. Do you know the strengths? Do you know the weaknesses of your sons and daughters? And do you know how to take particular scripture and apply it to the area of weakness that maybe uh, a son or daughter has? First of all, we all need someone to pray for us about temptation, don't we? We all face temptation. So pray that your children would be protected from that. There are some children that are more prone to giving in to temptation than others are. How about the fear of men? There's some children that they just, they just want acceptance. They just want approval. And so they easily succumb to the fear of men. Then you have other kids that they'll stand up against it, no problem. So children are different. Pray for their particular spiritual needs. Protection from pride. You have some children that are just so prideful and strong-willed, amen. And you have others who are very humble and very compliant. Compliant. 
Protection from anger. You're praying a hedge. Protection from anger. Uh, some children are prone to anger, aren't they? Some children are just knuckleheads, laughing all the time. It's, we're different. Protection from bitterness. I was thinking about this today. Do you know sometimes we get bitter because people have done wrong to us? Then other times we get bitter and that person literally hasn't even done anything wrong. We're all prone to bitterness. Pray that your children do not get bitter. Protection from immorality. My goodness, this goes back to all that we talked about of social media and pornography. Listen, this Sunday... I'm going to be preaching on, is there hope for America? And I'm going to spend probably a good 10 to 15 minutes to try to get it through your hearts and minds exactly where we are spiritually as Americans. It is unbelievable what's happening. And sometimes we just, you know, we're ostriches, we stick our head in the sand, we don't see what's going on. Around us. Listen, we're in trouble as a nation. We need God. We need, we need God back in our lives. The immorality that's so pervasive in the world today is, is un, it's really unbelievable. Protection that our children do not become disheartened or discouraged. Sin shall not what? Have dominion over you. So pray that head, pray that sin would not have dominion over your sons and your daughters, your grandsons and your granddaughters. One of the things that uh, I like to do, and I would encourage you to do, is find certain scriptures concerning the things that I've just mentioned and many more, whatever your children are struggling with, and pray those back to the Lord. Come on, everyone stay awake now. I know some of you have worked hard all day. I know it's a hot day out there. And, but stay, listen, this, what we do here is very important. Do you believe that, church family? This information that you're receiving, do you know how many people have come to me over the years and said, if I would have only had this information years ago when I was raising my families, things would have been so different. But praying scripture back to the Lord that particularly would pertain to that hedge that you're praying for and around your children. Here is a psalm. We don't have time to get into this tonight. But if you just jot this down, Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is all about God putting a hedge of protection around his children. It's, it's a great psalm. And you can really follow that psalm in praying that hedge of protection around uh, your family. Let me give you a sample prayer here. Obviously, it's just a sample prayer. We're not Catholics and read prayers or anything like that, okay? But this is a sample prayer of how you might want to design that prayer like Job prayed every morning. Heavenly Father, I ask you in the what? Name. Whose name? Jesus' name. I ask you... In the name and through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to bind and rebuke the power of Satan. Listen, we don't have the power to rebuke him. We don't have the ability to bind him. 
but Jesus does. And we're asking Jesus to do that. Remember when Michael was fighting over the body of Moses? Does anybody remember what Michael, the archangel, can't get any higher than Michael. Does anybody remember what he said to Satan? What? The Lord rebuke you. Even Michael, the archangel, dare not bring a railing accusation against the devil. Said the Lord rebuke you. So when you hear people when you hear people say, Satan, I rebuke you, you have no authority to rebuke him. Our authority is only found in Jesus Christ. But in the name and through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to bind and rebuke the power of Satan in and then name that child's name. Call their name out to the Lord. Will you put a hedge of protection around me and each one of my family members? In the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen. So this is something that we need to do uh, for the sake of our families. So after praying that hedge of protection, I want to talk about teaching your children the importance of standing alone against evil. Now, if we're going to teach our children to stand up and to stand alone, guess what we need to be doing? Hello? We need to be standing up and we need to be standing alone if necessary. Aren't you glad you have a good church where people will stand with you. Isn't it a blessing when people will stand with you and encourage you and you have like-minded folks around you and you can come and hear the word preached and it resonates with you and you leave encouraged. But I'll tell you what, it's a lonely world out there once you get outside the four walls of the church. So teach your children how to stand alone. Now, here's a picture. Someone tell me, it's so important that you learn Bible stories. Okay. What is this Bible story? Someone tell me. Daniel? Shadrach? Meshach? And Abednego. All right. And here they are. They have been taken captive into Babylon. We talked a little bit about that Sunday. And they are chosen to be a part of the king's cabinet. But being part of the king's cabinet, they had... Special foods that were prepared for them. And uh, I think the word in the Bible is dainties. They had these dainties. They, they had food to eat that the normal person did not have. They were specially treated. But the thing about those foods that Nebuchadnezzar the king was offering them to eat were a violation of what? They're a violation of the law of God. Of the dietary laws of God, they were a violation. Does someone remember what Daniel said? He said, I will not what? I'll not eat. And the Bible said, Daniel purpose in his heart. Now think about that. Who was Daniel standing up against and say, I'm sorry, king, but I will not eat your food? Okay, who was Nebuchadnezzar? The most powerful ruler in all the world. Daniel, a captive. 
stands up to the most powerful ruler in the world and says, I will not eat your food. It is a violation of the word of God and it is a violation of my conscience. Now let me tell you something. You can read this passage of scripture. I'm not gonna take time to do that. Daniel's parents must have done a good job in instilling in Daniel a fear of the Lord and biblical convictions. Amen? That here he was taken out of that environment, but he was still willing to stand. His influence was so powerful that he influenced three of his other friends, and we know them as, their Babylonian names, we know them better by, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In chapter 3 of the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar makes this golden image of himself. And he says, when the music plays, what was everyone to do? Everyone was to bow down and worship this image. Everybody, when the music plays, falls down and starts worshiping this golden image of Nebuchadnezzar, except three young men who were influenced by Daniel and his courage to stand alone. And you may remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, we will not bow down. King, we're not going to do it. And so the king said, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into the furnace of fire. Were these three young men willing to face the fiery furnace? King, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from that fiery furnace. But we want you to know that if he chooses not to deliver us from the fiery furnace, we are still not going to bow down. They're furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did everything they could to try to convince them to bow down and to worship this golden image. But they refused. I want to tell you something. This is standing alone. Amen? What courage they had to face that fiery furnace. So into the fiery furnace they go. You may remember the soldiers that had cast them into the fiery furnace were consumed by the flames themselves. As Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fiery furnace, they threw them in bound... And now they see them walking around inside the fiery furnace, talking to another individual. And Nebuchadnezzar said, did not we throw three men into the fiery furnace? And behold, I see four. And the fourth man that I see is like the Son of God? What's up with this? This is one of my most favorite. The book of Daniel is like my favorite book. I, I love it. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Come out of that fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar calls them to come out. And they come out and their clothes didn't even smell like what? Didn't even smell like smoke. And I love this. I love, I love it. Chapter 4. And I underline just a portion of it here. You could read the whole thing if you want. But Nebuchadnezzar says... Therefore, I decree that every people, nation, language which speak anything amiss 
against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces. What a change took place in the heart of Nebuchadnezzar because three men were willing to stand up and stand alone in the face of multitudes who bowed down and worshiped. And then he did this. Look at the end. Then the king promoted. I'm going to tell you, you have no idea. No idea, young people, listen to me. No idea how God will bless your life if you'll just stand up and do what's right. I think the world is waiting, looking, and longing for someone that has convictions and will stand up for what they believe. I'm so, I am so... God, be careful here. Be careful, preacher. But I'm so sick and tired of compromise within the church of Jesus Christ that we are bowing down to the same idols that the world is bowing down to and we're doing it in the church. Oh, that God would raise up young men and young women that would say, if I have to stand alone, I will stand alone for the cause of Christ. Then he promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 and verse 1, why don't you read this verse with me? The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Do we need some boldness? We need it. Let's teach our children the importance of standing alone and the benefit if they will do so. Now in the rest of the time we have left, and I'll have to move through this quickly, I want to talk about ten ways to gain wisdom and courage to stand alone. It takes wisdom to stand alone. If you read the book of Proverbs, what does a fool do? What does a fool do? Does he stand alone or does he go with the crowd? When sinners entice thee, what does the Bible say? Consent thou not. But what does a fool do? He goes along with them in their mischievous ways. So it takes wisdom and it also takes courage to stand alone. Wisdom and courage to stand alone, I believe, are given to us by God when we, we meet the following conditions. You meet the conditions, I believe God will infuse you with that ability to stand alone against the adversary. First of all, if we're going to stand alone, we've got to make sure we're saved. You know why? Because it's only when we're saved that the Spirit of God is able to come into our heart and into our life and abide within us, giving us the courage that we need to stand. Not by might, nor by power, but by my what? But my spirit, by my spirit, saith the Lord. So it's the Holy Spirit that infuses us with that courage that we need to stand alone. We can see that throughout the book of Acts. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and they had tremendous boldness for the cause of Christ. So number one, make sure you're saved. Number two, make sure you are renewing your mind in the truths of God's word and in the 
principles of God's word so you can get God's perspective on life. So you can get God's perspective on life. <clears throat> I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world. Stand up. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. You renew your mind daily within the word of God, getting God's perspective. Listen, if you don't have God's perspective on life, you will not stand up against what is wrong. You won't do it. Why? Because you have the world's perspective and you're going to go right along with the crowd. So we have the indwelling presence, number one, of the Holy Spirit at the time of salvation that infuses us with boldness. And then we get the wisdom of God into us. You've heard me say this before. There's a difference between getting into the Word and letting the Word get into you. Let the Word get into you. Let it have an effectual working in your life. Adrian Rogers says this, wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to get into the book. All right, let's go to number three. When we become obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, remember the Holy Spirit always prompts us according to the Word. Always prompts us according to the Word. So when we become obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and we're applying God's truth to our daily living, boldness is going to be a byproduct of that. You can't help but be. Okay? You're obeying the Lord. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to follow your promptings and what you're telling me to do. I'm going to apply God's truth to my life. And that boldness will be a byproduct of that. I kind of like that picture. I came across it today. The Bible is a God-breathed book, isn't it? Inspired of Him. Number four. When we identify with Christ's death and His resurrection and draw upon his power to do what is right. Listen to what Paul said. That I may know him and the what? Power. Now what does that mean? That I may know him and the power. The same, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is the same power that indwells you. I know some of you right now are saying, ah, I don't think so. You know how I know so? Because the Bible tells me so. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you, but in Ephesians chapter 3, it talks all about the resurrection power of Christ that dwells within me. Christ in me. And I want you to notice the very last portion of this. I call this the pyramid of power. Notice what the Bible says. Now unto him that is what? Do you believe he is able? We sing that song, he is what? He is able, he is able, I know he is able. Now unto him that is able. Now unto him that is able to what? To do. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can. 
Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. In the context of Ephesians chapter 3, what is the power? It's the resurrection power of Christ. Think about it. If that power could raise Christ from the dead, cannot that power give you the boldness and the confidence to stand up and do what's right no matter what? Number five. We love the Lord. This is really the whole crux of the matter. When we love the Lord, we're to love him with all of our what? All of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might, all of our strength. When we love the Lord to the point where we are more concerned, and this is a question I have for everyone of you here tonight, are you more concerned about his reputation than you are about pleasing yourself? If you're more concerned about pleasing S-E-L-F, you're not going to have the boldness to stand up for the cause of Christ. And it all comes back to a love issue. If I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, my guess what? I'd die for him. Number six. When we realize that we're really never alone. Sometimes we may think we're standing alone. <clears throat> but when we realize that we're never really standing alone, because what does God promise? I will never what? I'll never leave you. I will never, I will never forsake you. He is always standing with us. For lo, I am with you always even unto the what? End of this world. I will not leave you. So we never stand alone. Christ always stands with us when we're doing what is right. I like my dad used to always say this. Christ and myself are a majority every time. And that's really all we need. Young people, my precious young people here tonight, be a Daniel. Be a Shadrach. Be a Meshach. Be an Abednego. Like what one person said, if I knew who said this, I'd give him credit, but I don't know who said it. But it's a good one. Standing alone is not the basis of our reaction to people, but our love for the Lord. Do you got that? We're just not reacting to people. We're just loving God. If that means I have to stand, I'm going to stand steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. If that means I have to stand up against my family, I will stand up against my family. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
Number seven, when we realize that rejection and persecution immediately, immediately bring more of God's grace. And by the way, a great definition of grace is God's power. Grace is God doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. Paul said, by the grace of God, I what? I am what I am. It was, it was his grace that was working in and through me. Because it's God's grace that gives us the ability to do his will. It's God's grace. One of the phrases I love in the Philippines is by the grace of God. I, I'll do it by the grace of God. By the grace of God, by the grace of God. The power of God is available to us through his grace. You know what? That's why when you study church history, these men could go to the stake and be burned at the stake with a Bible draped around their neck on a chain and be singing praises to the Lord. How can you be being burnt to death sing praises to the Lord? Answer it, church. What is it? That's the grace of God. His grace is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. Number eight. When we realize that this world really is not our home, we have made ourselves so at home in this world. We have, we have become so comfortable in this world especially we as Americans. It's amazing. The things that we complain about are things that the vast majority of the world wishes they had. But when we realize that this world is not our home, that we're only strangers, that we're only pilgrims, you know what? The things of this world then aren't so important to us. We can let them go. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. What? Abstain. Stand up. Stand up. Abstain. You know what? That, that word abstain is almost a dirty word in our culture. You can't teach abstinence in the public school. But the Bible says what? Abstain. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Unless we see ourselves as strangers and pilgrims in this world, we're not going to have the boldness and courage to stand up. This world is what? Not my home. I'm a what? Just a passing through. And you know what? It doesn't take long to pass through this life. Number nine, we need to develop a fear of the Lord. We need to fear the consequence of not standing up. Sometimes we fear the consequence of standing up. There's a worse consequence if you don't stand up. The fear of the Lord is to what? 
Church, say it. Is to hate evil. I hate it. I despise that. Number 10. When we have an attitude of humility before God, we can stand strong before others. Humble ourselves. God says he will what? Lift us up. We humble. He lifts us up. I love this statement. He who kneels before God can stand before anyone. Isn't that powerful? Kneel before the Lord. You can stand up against anyone. Oh, that our children would learn to stand alone and even at a young age be willing to resist the devil and say something like this, I've given my life to Jesus. I'm not able to do that. Not to say, my church says I shouldn't do that or my mom and dad said I can't do that. Come on, young people. Stand up. My life belongs to Jesus. And I just cannot do that. I got just a couple minutes here and I want to leave you with some final thoughts. Keep a strong accountability with your children. Children don't necessarily want to be held accountable, but you know what? I need accountability and so do you. There's not a person in this room that doesn't need accountability. Share your struggles and failures with your children and maybe they'll just share some with you. Pray with them. Uh, ask them accountability questions. Uh, <clears throat> ask them, like, are you reading your Bible? What is God teaching you? What did you get out of the pastor's message? Have you ever asked your kids that? What did you get out of pastor's message? So you can only ask them that if you got something out of it. <laughs> Has anything happened that I need to know about? Because I'll tell you what, Satan gains tremendous ground when secrets are kept from parents. Is there any sin that you're struggling with I can help you with and pray with you? Do you have any prayer requests? These are just some accountability questions that you could ask. The second final thought I want to leave you with is always lead by personal example. Now, do we all fail? Do we all mess up? We all trip up once in a while? Well, yeah, you just admit that. Some people think, well, if I admit that I did wrong, then my children or whoever I'm leading will lose confidence in me. That's not true. You know why I know that's not true? Because they know you messed up. So if you're trying to cover it up, they'll lose respect for you. Third thought I want to leave you with is apply firm, firm, loving, and consistent discipline. Be firm. You can be firm and loving at the same time. Got that? And very important to be consistent. And then this is, this is such an important teaching right here. Teach your sons, and again, I forgot to put daughters up there. Of course, your daughters are perfect, right? They don't need that. But teach your sons and your daughters how to avoid, identify and avoid the snares of the devil. You can see it, there's a snare. 
Now what I did here, stay with me, just a couple more minutes. This is what I did. I just went through the Bible and I identified all the six snares that the Bible speaks about. The Bible talks about the snare of pride, the snare of riches, which would be temporal values. That was last week. The Bible talks about the snare of spiritual apathy. You just become apathetic about the things of the Lord. The snare of idolatry, where we really are focused on things more than we are the Lord. The snare of the fear of man. The fear of man bringeth a snare. And then the snare of immorality. These are the six snares that the Bible talks about. How many of you here know someone that's been trapped in one of those snares? How many of you have ever been trapped in one of those snares? Aren't you thankful God can get us out of the snare? Learn some valuable lessons on not to go down that trail anymore. Avoid that. There's a snare over there. Satan's out to trap us. He says, come to kill, steal, kill, and to destroy. Don't let him catch you in his trap. And then let's always remember this principle. To turn the hearts of the what? Fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Keep, young people here tonight, keep your heart turned toward your parents. If anyone encourages you to turn your heart away from your parents, I'm here to tell you, I don't care who they are. I don't care how nice of a person that they are. They are acting on the behalf of Satan himself. And you need to see they are Satan's plant. You always turn the hearts of children to their parents and the hearts of parents to their children. It's the only way we're going to have a happy family. So have every head bowed, every eye closed, you want to come to the piano. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.